Thank you, Nick. Good morning. Why is it that when it comes to sharing our faith, we often can feel a sense of shame and guilt? Let me illustrate. How many times in the last month have you personally shared your faith? Oh, here it comes. This little boop. You guys know what I'm talking about? Why is that? Why is it when it comes to the the greatest message that moves someone from death to life, that moves them from a place of, of brokenness and shame to a place of restoration and joy, do we feel the greatest amount of shame and guilt ourselves? Well, I think we sometimes walk with an, with the wrong understanding about how God has designed His church and how we are to boldly share our faith in Jesus Christ. So that's what we're going to talk about. If it's true for many of us, maybe not all of us, but if it's true for most of us, that we do, when it comes to this subject of actually speaking about Jesus, that we feel like we don't measure up or we can't say it correctly or whatever it may be, if that's the case, then we need to know how, how we can do this. And in this series through the book of 1 Thessalonians, we talked about last week, Joe taught on a faith received. Today is about a faith shared. So would you turn with me in your Bibles to the book of First Thessalonians chapter 2. First Thessalonians chapter 2. I want you to have a copy of the Bible in front of you. That's why we provide uh, copies of the Bible on the back wall. Uh, you can get up from your chair and go get one. Uh, or you can have it digitally, uh, just no playing words with friends. You're like, that was so 2012. Now it's like farm day or something. I don't know. We watched from that window up there. We know what you're doing. The thing that helps us the most is that we have a set of footsteps that have been walked before us. That if we were to follow in them, we can share our faith with great boldness and confidence. All of us are traveling in someone else's footsteps. It's called the legacy that we walk in. I thank the Lord for the godly legacy that my parents are walking out in front of me. Friday was my dad's birthday, so dad, happy birthday. I'm your son. You're my father. I love you. My parents are not perfect, but they love the Lord. And they've had 47 years of marital faithfulness, and they've been doing their best to walk with Jesus. And so there's so much about their lives that I seek to be like. But they're walking in the steps of those who've come before them, their parents, their grandparents. Some of you go, well... I wasn't really given a set of great tracks to walk in. And so I'm kind of forging a new path. Well, there's hope for us all. 
Whether you have been given a godly legacy or you are wanting to write a new godly legacy, we have a set of footprints that if we walk in them, we can boldly share our faith in Jesus Christ. Are you ready? Well, let's go. First Thessalonians chapter two, we're going to be starting with verse one. I'm going to read through some of the passage and then pause and make some comments. But I believe that the very first footstep for us, the example that has been left for us by the apostle Paul is a bold faith. That is the first footstep, a bold faith. Let's look at it. Chapter two, verse one, for you yourselves know brothers that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much much conflict. Let me pause there. So Paul is saying to them, hey, you heard what happened to us in this other city in the region called Philippi. And here's what went down. Paul came into that city. He he began to preach the gospel and the And a new church was planted. People trusted in Christ. But Paul upset many of those of the Jewish faith and others who were having their world rocked. In fact, there were a couple of men who were who were making money off of a girl. And Paul led her to Christ and he moved her away from their influence. Well, they got ticked. And so they stirred up. Some people to come after Paul. Well, they got him and they beat him and they put him in a prison. And God provided a miraculous escape for him. And so, but then he left Philippi and he went to Thessalonica, this this other Roman city. Problem was, is that some of those people from Philippi, they weren't satisfied. They knew he had left, so they decided they were going to go follow him. Like some kind of posse. (laughs) And chase him down like he was some kind of bandit. And so in the midst of all of that conflict and in the midst of that reality, Paul still showed up in Thessalonica. He still showed up to share the gospel with them. He still came with his mission of planting a church. And he says, you know what we've been through and how when we were with you, we had great boldness in our God. Paul is writing this letter back to the Thessalonian church because he left Thessalonica and went to Athens and he wrote back to them. And he said, we had boldness in our God. And and usually when we see this term boldness, uh, we can we can have the wrong understanding about what it really means. So I'd like for you to underline or circle the word boldness or courage in verse two. Maybe out to the side, you can write this word of freedom. And this is what I mean. We typically think of when we think of someone with bold faith that they had some, they have some kind of super Christian status. That they rip open their shirt and there's a big cross and they've got this big flowing cape behind them and they are bold in their faith. And we look at them and we go, that's not me. You read about the apostle Paul, someone who was one of the uh, first to, to build the church. And you go, man, I certainly cannot view myself on the same plane as him. Of course, he was bold. He got to write the Bible. Or at least some letters in it. 
And so we make, we create a distinction. We do that with the Apostle Paul. We do that with others around us. We do that with people who may have a full-time ministry position. And you may look at someone who serves in full-time ministry and you may think, well, they obviously have it. They're on a different level with God than I am. That is a common misconception. Because Paul's sense of boldness was that he is no longer constrained. To be bold means to be set free from what constrained you. What once was binding has now been loosened. And now he feels unleashed. So the idea of boldness is is walking in freedom. It's not some, some level that you'll never get to. He understood what has set him free. And so let's talk about that. Jesus Christ has set Paul free. Jesus gave his life for Paul and for you and for me. To die for our sin, the very thing that separates us from God, it's the the place from where our brokenness and our search for fulfillment comes from. It's from this, the reality that we all blow it and we sin when we miss a perfect standard. God knows this, and in His love for us, He sent the only one who can, who can pay the penalty for our sin, and that was His Son, Jesus. And Jesus came, and He lived a perfect life, and He died on a sinner's cross, and He rose from the dead. And by believing in what Jesus has done, we find freedom. Because He has taken our shame. He has borne our guilt. We no longer have to carry that because of what Jesus has done for us. Come on! So in that sense, we are free. The other thing Paul walked in freedom was, was that he was not responsible for the salvation of people's souls. Sometimes we bind ourselves thinking if we don't say it right or we stumble over our words that that we will somehow own responsibility for the eternal destiny of someone else. And that is a huge weight to carry. And in fact, out of fear that we will not say it correctly, we just simply don't say anything at all. But Paul, he knows what he has in Christ. Not only does he have freedom from his past and his sin. I mean, keep in mind, Paul, he affirmed the murder of Stephen, a martyr for the faith. That was Paul. You think he had some skeletons in his closet that from time to time he could be ashamed of? Yes, but Jesus cleans out the closet. So Paul's free. He also knows that he's been filled with the Spirit of God, which happens to everyone who believes in Jesus Christ. We are filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered by the Holy Spirit that when we speak the truth about Christ, God is active and at work in that. And so he was free from the burden of having it. It had to be up to him to save other people. He knew that if he could just simply be free to share what has happened to him, that God would work through that. And so that's how he says he was bold. He had courage because he walked in freedom. You and I are free. 
Look at these words in verse 3. He says, Our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. He says, He's been approved by God. He has nothing left to prove. This is where we can find freedom in our Christian life when we understand that the ground is truly level at the cross. There is not a spiritual ladder that you climb to get closer to God. And that you are at the bottom of the rung and you can see all these other people, the Apostle Paul or or someone that's on rung 63 and you're on rung 2 and you're like, I'm just never going to make it. They are so much more godlier than me. But we do that. We compare ourselves. But freedom comes when we understand that in Christ, He did all the work for us. And then the approval of God that He has on His Son, He extends to all of us in this room who would believe in the work of Christ. So that means when God looks at you, He feels nothing other than pleasure. And love. No shame. No guilt. Isn't that good? See, he approves of Jesus. And we are covered by Jesus. Therefore, the approval that goes to the Son comes to those who are in Christ. You have nothing to be ashamed of because you are free. Paul says, verse 5, We never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. The King James Version says it best. He says, we didn't have a cloak of covetousness. You have to say it with an accent. A cloak of covetousness. He said, this isn't about us. We're not here to make money off of this. We've been set free and we freely give to you what has been given to us. He said, we didn't seek glory from people, from you or for others, though we could have made the demands as apostles of Christ. A couple of things with this first footstep of a bold faith. First, when you hear the word bold, what word do I want you to hear with that? I want you to hear the word free. So a couple of things with this is you are free in Christ if you trust in him. If you know and follow Jesus, you are free. So in your freedom, understand this. Don't over or underestimate your worth. The first one is especially for professional Christians. Pastors should not think more highly of themselves but should consider others as more significant and better. The pulpit, man, people see through it, don't they, when it's misused. That's why I'm so thankful for our team. And being a part of that is a great privilege because I know these men behind the scenes, imperfect guys who love Jesus. We're not out here to Build our own platform. But so don't overestimate your worth. 
Don't underestimate your worth either. There is no, I guess I'm just dot, dot, dot to God in His kingdom. Don't underestimate your worth. You walk in the footstep of a bold faith and you'll understand that you're free in Christ. And out of this freedom then, we move into this passage with the Apostle Paul. Verse 7, he says, But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So, being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. Paul moves immediately into emotion-drenched language. He talks about the the connection between a mother who is nursing her child. It is a relationship that can only be experienced by two people. It's a give and it's a take. He uses words in verse 8 that are only found here. You pay attention when Paul only uses a word one time. You kind of lean in. And it's this phrase that we have in English that says, affectionately desirous. This is, this is not I love you. This is I love you. Some of you have been able to hold your own child and you know what springs from within. You look at this little one and you're like, it's how Paul viewed the Thessalonians when he came in. Despite his hardships, despite the people who were chasing him, the posse on the way, despite all that, in his freedom, he shared his life. Because he loved people genuinely. He says, we were ready to share with you. Underline, circle the word share in verse 8. Because this is not just simply a giving of, a, of something to someone else. If If I could say, Scott, do you want this guitar? And you go, well, um, maybe. I give you that. Well, that's one level of sharing, but that's not the sense of this word. The sense of this word is to draw someone, to bring someone into something you are a part of. Let me illustrate. You would know my joy if you were a Sooner fan. (laughs) Because we took care of business last night. So I'm a part of something. And if I could just draw someone in to be a part of that, then joy is shared both ways. So let me talk about something that matters. You walk in freedom and you begin to love people genuinely. You draw them into your life. Then all of a sudden they find Jesus themselves. And not only are they filled with new hope and new joy, you are filled with renewed hope and renewed joy because you say, you find out it worked. It worked. It really worked. I shared my life and they have come to faith in Christ and now they are enduring. They are walking with Jesus and it worked. And now they're going to do the same. Once you get a taste of it, you hunger for more of it. That's why people go to the mission field. That's why people volunteer in mentoring programs at school. Because it works. Because God is always at work through His people to draw people into His kingdom. That's the sharing that's being done. Paul is a part of something greater than himself. And he knows what can happen if he could just bring some 
along with him. That's the footstep for us, a shared life. Verse 9, he says, For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaimed to you the gospel of God. There were these traveling teachers in different schools of thought in the Roman Empire. One, were, one group was called sophists. The other group was called cynics. And they all had their philosophy and approach to life. They were diametrically opposed. And there were these traveling teachers and philosophers. And they would show up in these cities. And they would get paid for delivering a message. But most often, those who were cynics lived the life of a sophist. And those who were sophists lived the life of a cynic. And everyone knew that their message was a hypocritical one. So those who oppose Paul, they're just trying to paint him with the same brush. You see, he's just a traveling speaker. He's here. He's just going to get rich off you and he's going to move on. Where's your apostle Paul at now, Thessalonians? Where has he gone? Hasn't he gone to Athens? <laughs> and Paul says, no. In fact, we didn't ask anything from you. We earned our own keep. People will see through you if you view other people as a project. And if you do not see that they place their faith in Christ, so you walk away from them, that does major harm and damage. If they sense or smell an ulterior motive, they'll check out. But if they sense a genuine love and care and concern for them, someone who's willing to share their life. It's magnetic. And here's why. A couple of things. Because we can be kind and not nice. Be kind, not nice. There's a distinction. To be nice comes with no cost. To be kind means that you step down for someone else in a very real and tangible way with no expectation of return. The world cannot match the loving kindness demonstrated by God. And when his people walk in that same kind of loving kindness, it speaks to them. Some of you have lived a hard life. Some of you have really grown to have a deep, cynical heart towards other people. So if someone does something nice for you, you're going, what gives? What do you want? And so when you share your life in such a way that you provide kindness for them, it draws them in closer. On my wedding day, I received a gift from my mother. I received two handwritten prayer journals that began the day I was born. I had no idea she was doing this. I knew that she journaled a lot. I had no idea that she would go back through those journals and transcribe by hand her prayers for me. I mean, the first ones are like, help me potty train him. (laughs) I'm not kidding you. And then later it's like, Lord, forgive me. I pushed him too hard into potty training. I finally figured it out, though. You tell me, is that nice or kind? 
It's inspiring. Be kind, not nice. Bring others into your life of faith. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. Therefore, I no longer live. Jesus Christ now lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. You walk in a life of faith. God is really at work in you. And when you draw people into your life, they can see Him at work. So share your life. That is the second footstep. And there's a third It has to do with taking steps. It's called a worthy walk. A worthy walk. Verse 10, Paul says, You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Let me pause. Paul comes back to himself as an example. He says, you know what our conduct and our behavior was. We lived in a holy way around you, a righteous way around you, a blameless way. And again, it rises up with me, within me, to have this distinction between me and Paul. And I go, well, yeah, you're Paul. Of course you were like that. But I know me and I know my failures and all that kind of stuff. Resist. The idea that there's some kind of distinction between anyone who's in Christ, whether it's Paul or the Thessalonians or someone that you revere and respect that has some kind of Christian notoriety. The ground is level at the cross. We're all the same. But we can walk in who God has created us to be. We can live a holy life. We can live a righteous life. Because of the resources God has given us. And it takes surrender of our will. It takes humility to walk with Jesus and to submit to God's word and to be engaged in God's word. But our conduct will scream much louder than our words. Paul changes his imagery in verse 11. He says, for like a father with his children, we exhorted you and encouraged you, charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God. Whole idea of worthy, if you circle that. Six times in the New Testament, we are called to live a life worthy of the gospel, worthy of God. This idea of worthiness, it's like boldness. We can feel like, oh, well, that's not me. I'm just not worthy. No, Jesus is worthy. You're covered in him. Therefore, you are worthy. To live in a worthy manner means to have your behavior match your message. Walking the talking, right? Nothing new. It's just a reminder that we live in a life equal to our message. We walk in humility and genuine love for others. So Paul is an example for us. But so are the Thessalonians. Verse 13, Paul says, and we thank, we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. The word of God is at work in you. This isn't just 
self-help hour or some kind of Tony Robbins wannabe is pumping you up. If anything that is being spoken aligns with the truth of God, God uses that in our hearts and minds. And so that's our prayer every time we're up here that whatever is said is from Him. So we can walk a worthy walk. We can travel in that third footstep. Because we've been set free. We have a bold faith. We can share our lives with others and we can walk because it demonstrates to them a couple of things. Number one, that you would be a person of balance. You can aim for godly balance in your life. How many of you have felt like you've ever taken two steps back in your Christian journey? Like maybe you thought you figured out anger. You confessed it to someone. You prayed to the Lord. You've, you've maybe memorized the scripture about do not be angry. And then your cable company comes to your house and they cut through your water line. And you just let them have it. You just light that poor worker up. And from, from this closet comes screaming out this anger. And then comes the judgment and the self-condemnation on the other side of that. Isn't that a great sandwich? And we go, well, I guess I, I don't even know if this relationship with God is even real. I haven't got better. Folks, there will always be a mold of whack in our lives. Things will constantly pop up. We will not be made perfect until we are with our Savior in heaven. But he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. So aim for godly balance. Make Jesus your pursuit. It's okay that there are from time to time moles to whack, but it's not a statement of your worth to your heavenly Father because you are as worthy to Him as Jesus is worthy to Him. And you're covered in Christ. And that's how He sees you. So how you endure hardship matters also. You're living this life of faith. When you draw people in, they see that the Christian journey is not a special journey in the sense that we don't get a get out of jail free card just because we follow Jesus. We suffer. We get sick. We have loved ones die. But how we endure life's hardships, it's like a megaphone that God uses to demonstrate who he is. The world watches when godly people suffer. So endure. Paul had to endure being chased down. Yet he still maintained his freedom. Even when his freedoms were temporarily taken away. Okay. So those are our steps. So where do we start? As we're taking these footsteps and following in them, you need to have two people on your heart and mind that are your gospel focus. Two people that need Jesus, that you can look for genuine ways to love and draw them in so that you can share Christ with them. We want you to write that down on your card. It's called taking the you and two challenge. We've 
We keep coming back to this because can you just start with two? Can you ask God, two people, a family member, a co-worker, a neighbor, two people that I can draw into my life that they may see the living God at work in you? Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you for godly examples. The godly example of the Apostle Paul, the godly example of the Thessalonians, for other faithful believers in our lives. Lord, help us to walk in these footsteps. Help us to be free as you have made us free. Lord, move us away from shame, guilt, self-condemnation, those things that keep us from sharing anything. We have nothing to fear. Lord Jesus, may you be glorified in our worship. You are worthy to be praised. It's in your name we pray. Amen.